to get into the word. Amen. I want to ask you to turn to Luke chapter one, and um, we're going to talk about the silence being broken. We're going to start into kind of a series. I think I'm just going to call it Emmanuel, God with us. Okay. Uh, As we go through the next few weeks, we want to really get the teaching here that's laid out in scripture. And this is part of it that sometimes we skip over a little bit. And I want to, I want to kind of hone in on it. We do have notes online to to help you out and uh, to follow the verses and to make your own notes in there. If you go to the YouVersion app events, you can click on the, the menu there and events and find uh, us in there. Or if you're on our Facebook page, there's a link. And also, um, if you haven't uh, gone to YouTube and uh, searched for Hartville, I think it's under Hartville FWB Church, uh, but you can search YouTube and subscribe to our channel uh, because we are able to live stream now. Uh, we're doing it through YouTube, and there will be a link at some point on our Facebook page. Uh, but uh, So if you haven't gone and subscribed, please do that. That helps us out and let other people know that are wanting to catch us when we're live. Because this is time of year, a lot of people have already said, well, hey, we're traveling. We're so glad we, we were able to catch it like during Thanksgiving. I was surprised. Um, uh, but it, it was really a blessing. And, and, and that you can, it's better to be here, right? Uh, the, the only thing, yeah, that, that, there's nothing really better than that. But if you can't be here, it's amazing that several said we just had a meaningful time of worship and getting in the Word by being able to, to get on there and follow along. So that's a great thing, that tool the Lord's given us. And uh, so we want to use it as best we can. All right, so I have a pretty good Scripture reading to do here. But we're never wasting time when we're reading Scripture. So I'm going to have to hold a microphone today. Uh, but, uh, you know, I like to use my hands. So, you know, watch. Be, see, it's just like being at a ball game before they put all those protective nets up. You need to be paying attention because something may come flying your way. You know, it may slip out of my hand or something. You know, so, right? Okay. Um, but uh, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. If you're in the app, just make sure you don't get distracted by any pop-ups, okay? <laughs> but so stay tuned in with us and follow along. I'm reading in the ESV. But I want to read this story. And then there's a little more to the story that we'll come back to here in just a little bit, all right? So jump in here with me in Luke chapter Chapter 1, verse 1, Gospel of Luke. So it starts off, Inasmuch as many, Luke says, have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Now Luke's just giving us an introduction here. This is from, he's followed it from almost the beginning, but he's getting this information from those, his first-hand testimony, from those who were there when it happened, from those who were with Jesus. And so John uh, will later write a gospel, Matthew and Mark, of course, Mark, uh, working with Simon Peter. But these are the ones, it's a first-hand eyewitness testimony. This has been told, it's being circulated, oral tradition, but it's time to write it down. And you and I know the Holy Spirit was behind this, leading him and inspiring him as the word hit the page was just what God wanted. And it's been preserved. And here we have it. Now, Theophilus was probably was a Gentile. Some think he may have been a Roman official that he was writing this to who had become a believer. Uh, but God knew it was for all of us. Amen. And so this is, and I want you to know, Luke is a, is a doctor and he's a great historian. He throws a lot of detail in here. There are a lot of names and a lot of dates and things that now, so many years later, Later, we can go back and document the time frames and, and, and substantiate these things. So let's go on into the story in verse 5. 
It says, in the days of Herod, see, he's setting the time frame, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now, some translations just transliterate from the Greek, and it's Zacharias. Uh, Zechariah comes more from the Hebrew, but either way, it's the same name, okay? Zechariah, of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son... And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. And I think you guys know the story that this is talking about the birth of John the Baptist who was to go before the Lord. We'll pick back up with the story here in a little bit. But, the, but this is the way, this is, this is why I'm talking about the silence is shattered. So from the time of Malachi... Until now, there has been no prophet from God to speak word from God that was recorded as Scripture. Now, there were a lot of writings, to be sure, 
in that time in between. And we have the books that we call the Apocrypha. Uh, they're good historical documents, but they were never held by the early church to the level of Scripture, even though some of them are quoted some. Now, uh, but there's been no official word from God. 400 years of silence, and now God is about to break the silence, okay? So the very last words uh, in the Old Testament are right here, okay? I'm going to put them up there for you. It's in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This is how the Old Testament ends. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn... Remember the angel's words? Yeah, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And that's one thing he wants to do is hearts of the fathers turn to their children to equip their children, to prepare their children, teach your children to know the Lord. Men, you need to take a lead in that. And, and he said, in the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of other, utter destruction. So, uh, or that's sometimes translated a curse. So it almost ends with a curse. Or the potential of one. So this is how the Old Testament ends. And, and the events of these early chapters of Luke's gospel, it shatters some 400 years of silence. The, the, as the Old Testament scripture had been completed. But there was silence from heaven until now. Until the angel speaks to Zechariah. Now, if there had been newspapers around the Roman Empire back in, they didn't quite have, I mean, they had papyrus, you know, and stuff like that, but they didn't really have newspapers like we do, but had they had or like internet, can you imagine, I mean, this is why the Lord kept this from being invented until now, because we'd have totally destroyed ourselves, you know, with, with social media, but can you imagine if the Roman Empire had social media, whew, anyway, so uh, God's in control, folks, amen, but we're living in some weird days, but, but, but you know what, there's still similar stuff going on, if there had been headlines back then, you know, you might have been something like, grain ships dock, Rome riots end, and there was stuff going on. Or, or how about this, Athens students clash with police. Or maybe Olympic wrestler still in coma. Or maybe this one, report of angels or UFO, strange sightings in Judea. There was some, something going on, and God called attention to it. Right there in that time. So, so it looks like, like it could be like headlines like what we have today in, in our world. But the world, here's what I want you to see. The world of the New Testament was in some ways a world similar to our own, minus a lot of the technology that we have. Uh, but, but, but something was about to happen. I mean, it was a lot like our world. There were wars, okay? Are you following me here? Don't drift. Stay in here. There were wars. There was sickness, there were uh, epidemics, uh, there was poverty, there was injustice. Um, and besides that, there were people who struggled to make a living. Uh, and then there were people who were just living by habit, meaningless days, grinding out their lives. They had lost any sense of purpose, meaning, or a goal in life, just like happens to us today. So it was a world a lot like ours in those ways with people like us, but something was about to happen. God himself is about to burst onto the scene in this physical world, and things would never, ever be the same. Prophecies had been given dating all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to take a look at some of those, Lord willing. 
All right. So from the Garden of Eden, from the beginning of human history, all the way till now, prophecies had come out. The promised deliverer, the one who would crush the enemy's head, this deliverer that would come, that Abraham was told would be a blessing to all nations. This pro- these prophecies have been repeated all the way back. And guess what? Now the time has come. That deliverer, the one who was the object of all of the law, of all of the ceremony, of all of the Old Testament sacrifices, the one that it all pointed to was about to arrive. The deliverer, the Messiah, the anointed one, was about to arrive in real person, in the flesh, on planet earth. And it turns out to be none other than God himself, God the Son. That this deliverer, this is something that they couldn't understand before or know, but that's what's about to happen in the person of Jesus. God extended to humanity an invitation to new life. Not just to have our names written in heaven so that we can have assurance that we go to heaven when we die. But it's much, much more than that. That that, that we have meaning and direction and real hope and real purpose. The birth of Christ offers a new freshness, a life turned around, lives transformed by the power of God. This is what the Gospel of Luke is all about, by the way. Transform life. That's what it's about. And so a new age of mankind, a new era of human history is about to be ushered in. And God is sending a herald. Not herald, like that's his name, but a herald. A herald was someone who in those days would go before like if a king was coming and would announce his arrival. He was somebody with a loud mouth usually. And, and hey, <laughs> okay, let's move on. But um, he would go before and he would, with a loud voice, announce that he is coming and he would try to make things right. He would try to make the road clear, right? Level out any spots, prepare people uh, for the coming and the arrival of the king. And that's who this person's going to be in the person of John the Baptist. He's like the herald who will come. And this is what's going to happen he is going to break the silence and loudly proclaim claim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's exactly what we find him preaching uh, whenever we, we see he arrives on the scene. So this is what God is up to. Now, before the deliverer, the Messiah, is introduced, the stage is set. So the Old Testament closes with the promise of this Elijah being sent before the great day of the Lord. This isn't just Malachi's prophecy in Malachi 4 that I just read to you, but Isaiah says something about it. Did you know that? Let's look at it. Yeah. Isaiah 40, verse 3. He says, this is what he recorded, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And now the time has come. And so this is where we see something happening here. So God's about ready to do something, right? I mean, God's always doing something. Huh? I mean, God is always present. Listen to me now. God is always at work all the time all around us. 
We just need to tune into it. And we need to join him in what he's doing. Remember the Experiencing God study? We need to do that again. It's about time to respin it. Because that's just so basic. God is always at work all around us. He invites us to become a part of it. Now, too often we're wanting to do something for God, and we ask God to just help us and bless it. It's better to see where God's at work, and we change our plans, and we join him. So when God's about ready to do something, I find that he looks to find people who are tuned into him and got their eyes on him, and he invites them to join him. And that's exactly where Zechariah and Elizabeth come in. They were just such a folk people, whatever. They were folks like that. They entered the scene. Now, it was during the days when Herod was king of Judea, Luke tells us, So he's a great historian, and he gives us a timeline because this was Herod the Great. And Herod the Great, we know from history, ruled Palestine from 36 B.C. until his death in 4 B.C. Uh, So this is right there at the end of that time of Herod. Now, Zechariah, it tells us here, was a a priest. And that um, he was of um, uh, the... um, where is it there? Of the division of Abijah in verse 5. And his wife Elizabeth was even from the priestly lineage. And so it tells us that he was there. So there were 24 divisions of priests. And Abijah was the eighth according to 1 Chronicles 24.10. So I don't have that in the notes. But if you want to go look that up, 1 Chronicles 24, you can go find it. But, um, but he was of the division of Abijah. So as I said, they're both of the priestly lineage. And um, it seems, though, that even though they were great people, life hasn't been fair to them. So many times it seems like life is not fair. I mean, and then, you know, uh, me being a middle child of three boys, you know, hey, it it, it just never was quite fair. Um, Everybody's always kind of against me and things like that. But but so we kind of feel that way. But I want to tell you, life isn't fair. It just isn't. And it seems unfair that they would be in the situation that they were in, that they were barren. They had, didn't have any children. So you need to know that a couple like them in those days was looked down upon in their society if they couldn't have children. Um, so it was not common for people to think it was maybe like a judgment from God or something. So it was a big deal. Uh, you, know, you know, some of these wacko preachers, I probably shouldn't say wacko, but, you know... Some of these preachers nowadays would have probably been trying to tell them that something was wrong with them. They didn't have enough faith to believe God or something. Or it'd be different. Some, hey, hey, here's what you know. If you keep your eyes on the Lord, you can always know this, that even in the unfairness and even in the pain, there's purpose that God can bring that we may not see till we get to heaven. We just have to trust him. But, uh, but the truth is that the Bible itself testifies that they were both righteous people before God. It tells us here concerning all the requirements of the law. Did you read that? They were blameless. Now, that doesn't mean they were perfect, folks. It just means that all of the outside stuff, it doesn't mean that they hadn't sinned. Because the Bible itself tells us that what? All have sinned. So we know they weren't perfect. But just to the outside stuff that you could observe, the outward observances... They were beyond reproach. All of the requirements. Remember, this is Old Testament. Are you with me? This is Old Testament stuff. They have to follow all the Old Testament law. And it was pretty tedious. But as far as they could do, and and as far as their efforts, it looked like they kept everything the way God had said to keep it and to do. So they were, as far as that goes, uh, uh, really good people. Righteous, he even says. But they were still barren. 
They still had this reproach on them that made other people biased against them and looked down upon them. Now, according to social standards, they were probably put down. And I'll tell you something else. According to social standards, Zacharias and Elizabeth would not have been someone that you would have known in the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem or even the priesthood. They were obscure folks. In fact, over in verse 39, when Mary goes to visit, we find out they lived in the hill country of Judea in just a small town. So they only were in Jerusalem when he had his duty come up to his, his division serve at the temple. They were hill folk. I can identify with that. How about y'all? I mean, they lived in, I'm just trying to relate here. I'm just in my mind, okay? Uh, but, uh, and you're right in here with me, right? So they were like from the Ozarks of Judea. Okay, they were hill people. I mean, they were like hillbillies out there. You know, they were just simple folk just trying to live out their life and obey God. And, 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 and they didn't understand, but they were just trusting God anyway. And so when, when um, I can't help but think, you know, that uh, when this, this hillbilly priest and his wife, you know, when his time came up, that it was his division's time to go to the temple. And then they cast lots because maybe once in your life you would have the opportunity to actually go in the temple and, and burn the incense, take the fire from the altar and go in there and the incense at the altar of incense, which was right in front of the veil, right, that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, that, that's right in front of there. And, that, and as they put that on there and as they burned that incense, the incense represented the prayers of the people. And all the people would gather around and be praying, and they would be praying. And we know some of what their prayer was. Their prayer was for the kingdom of God to come and for the Messiah to come. So it's right during that, and they would cast lots about which one of this division that's here gets to do this. And, and, and sometimes it would be like, maybe once in your life you would get to do this. And the lot fell on Zechariah. I can't imagine that he might would have been you know, from the hill country. He might have said, yee-haw! You know where I come from, yee-haw. Uh, it comes from the ancient Hebrew, hallelujah. You know, yee-haw and hallelujah, How you, that's where it comes from. Yee-haw, hallelujah. So you holler yee-haw, it means, uh, doesn't it? Huh? Okay, well, maybe he didn't do that, but I'm sure he was excited. But I'm sure he was maybe a little bit nervous also. Uh, so anyway, as this was, the incense was presented twice a day, you know, in the morning and evening sacrifices. And so, um, and so the prayers were about the Messiah who would appear. Now, here's one thing I noticed. Zachariah was being obedient and doing the routine stuff that, that he was supposed to do. Being a priest when his division went, it was his turn to go to Jerusalem and serve in the temple for during that time. Here's, here's a principle that I find, okay? Are you watching this? It's usually while people are busy doing the daily stuff that God's given them to do that he speaks. If you want a big moment, it's probably not going to happen if you're not following God in the little moments. Let me illustrate. Moses and David were both tending sheep. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Moses had that burning bush experience when David was summoned to be anointed the future king by Samuel. Gideon was thrashing wheat, just doing the stuff that you got to do, but doing it unto the Lord, right? Uh, Peter and John and those guys were mending their nets. Doing stuff. So, so if I'm not willing to be doing my daily stuff and doing it unto the Lord, I'm not going to have opportunity for the big stuff. So it's usually, if God's going to speak to it, maybe one reason we're not hearing from God and God's not to break through things happening in our life is that during the week, we don't even think about Him. We're just living for us. Could be. 
But see, they had their focus on the Lord, and he's doing normal routine. And during that, boom, this amazing thing happens. Now, I said he might have been a little bit nervous because he might have been thinking about Leviticus, what we call the Leviticus chapter 10. And that's where the sons of Moses uh, went in, and Nadab and Abihu, and uh, they kind of did their own thing, you know, and took strange fire. God had rules about all this, and the Lord made an example out of them. They went in to burn incense, and uh, the Lord uh, consumed them. They were gone. So, you know, you want to you be obedient, right? This is heavy. This is serious stuff. Get serious. Yeah, sometimes, hey, and that's something I have heard from people, uh, you know, like my parents, and then later on I still hear it from people. But now I even hear it from my grandkids, like, get serious. Um, but sometimes we do need to get serious, right? Okay, and so I'm sure it was, it was during this, but it was during this time. Can you imagine the scene as he's approaching the altar of incense with the fire, the coals of fire uh, from the altar, and as he's approaching the altar of incense, something strange happened. Now, he's not, he's not probably gotten to ever do this before. This is a big moment for him, uh, and now his big moment, something weird happens. All of a sudden, an angel appears. Now, I don't know what he looks like. I don't know. He didn't describe it, whether he looked like some guy uh, that looked pretty like Shia. And every, I don't know. He doesn't really describe exactly the details of it, but he knew what it was. All right? It wasn't just like, oh, what are you doing here? No, he knew. He was overwhelmed. Gabriel appears, and it says when Zachariah saw him, he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. Literally, it means he was seized with fear. I mean, this is kind of like, I mean, when I'm walking through this building, and one of y'all's here, and I didn't know you was here, and I come around a corner, I'm like, Ah! You know, I just see somebody I didn't expect to see. Can you imagine if it's an angel? So this was powerful. Now, Luke mentions angels like 23 times in his gospel. Now, the Bible teaches that there are an innumerable number of angels. But did you know only two are named? Michael and Gabriel. And here we have Gabriel. (laughs) And it's no wonder his first words are, do not fear. I think he had to say that because... You know, uh, Zechariah was, was seized with, with panic probably at that moment. And he announces that his prayer has been heard. Now, the natural thing to think is that he's just referring to the prayer about having children. Um, and I, it almost sounds like they, him and Elizabeth had kind of like, that ship has sailed. They kind of given up on that. But if you know the context, not only is he praying and what the incense represents and the people, the priests who were outside, it says they were all praying as he went in to do this. The prayer was for the Messiah to appear, the coming kingdom of God. And that's been answered, and it's time. And as the king is getting ready to come, he's going to need a herald to go before him. And this would be, listen, this would be the fulfillment of that prophecy that we read in Malachi chapter 4 and in Isaiah as well. And so this is what John's ministry is going to be. He's going to go before the king. And the angel even announces that the child, that they're going to have a child. Uh, Their prayer has been heard. And and part of that probably was included, like, your wife, great, Lord, why didn't you do this years ago, right? Huh? I mean, he's past age. He's old. He points that out, right? I mean, it's like, Lord, why couldn't I have been born later so I could be younger? Or why didn't you do this years ago? Why do you wait till we're this age to drop this on us, huh? Your, your wife Elizabeth's going to have a baby. Now, I started to pick out an older couple in the crowd and just say, it would be like if we found out you guys were expecting. But um, I, I, I'm not going to pick on people like that today. I'm just not going to do it. But, but in, in your mind, just, let's just think about it, okay? Old grandma and grandpa there. 
And, and this, is, this is the situation. because We, we sometimes got to understand the context that we're dealing with here. So it said it, that Elizabeth will bear a son and even tells him what his name's going to be. His name's going to be John. Now, John means Jehovah is gracious. Jehovah is gracious. And the angel says he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Uh, by the way, Jesus said this about John the Baptist. So this, this is all part of it. So um, that... Um, Jesus said, said this, and um, let me back up one here in Matthew eleven eleven. said, this is Jesus. He says, I say to you, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So when the kingdom of heaven comes, it's going to be so much better than anything is now, and John's going to pass from the scene before that happens. So we have actually a lot of what he didn't have. But up to that time of the greatest of prophets, who did Jesus say it was? John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist actually got to introduce and baptize the one, the deliverer, the Lord himself, the Messiah. Okay. Not only that, but um, we see that he's to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. One thing that's similar to Elijah is the Nazarite vow. You notice it pointed out he wasn't to drink wine or grape juice or any of that. That was part of what was a Nazarite vow. Elijah had taken that, so he's going to be similar to Elijah in the way he dressed and the way he lived, but he's going to come in the spirit and power, he said. Did you hear that? Spirit and power of Elijah. It wasn't going to be Elijah reincarnated or resurrected. It's like Elijah, but they didn't quite understand that. In fact, uh, they, John was asked... This is the testimony in John 1, 19 through 21. John was asked, said, this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? But he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ, the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Literally, he wasn't. And they said, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So he knew that he wasn't Elijah in that way. Because, see, sometimes we think we understand what it's saying and we don't. It's in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, I know this fulfilled that prophecy from Malachi, that prophecy in the Old Testament about Elijah coming. And I know that for sure because Jesus said so. And so let's get that, all right? Make sure you've got this. In Matthew 17, 11 through 13, Jesus was asked by the disciples this very thing. You know, hey, you know, the scriptures tell us and all that we've been taught that Elijah was going to appear before the Messiah. What about that? And Jesus answered in verse 11. He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Look at verse 13. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So right there, Jesus himself gives confirmation. John the Baptist is the fulfillment of that prophecy. He confirmed it right there. So because they rejected John the Baptist, it's no wonder they're going to reject the Messiah also, right? Because they got different ideas about that. But you see the, 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 the request and the rebuke. As we look at that, Zachariah's doubt. He doubted this. And um, so, you know, he says he's going to go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah and all of that. And Zechariah in verse uh, 18, he says to the angel, uh, how, how am I going to know? Are you, are you, uh, are you for real? <laughs> you know, uh, are you sure about this now? He said, I'm an old man. Is this a joke? And, uh, and besides that, my wife is advanced in years. 
Now, here's the thing, y'all. When an angel tells you something and God tells you something clearly in his word, which is, you know, just as good or even better, okay, God has spoken through his word. It may not make logical sense to us, but we're better off to just believe it. God loves to defy logic. Uh, <laughs> now, as it says there, Zacharias, I put Zacharias instead of Zachariah, but we do that sometimes, same guy. His doubt was based on understanding of nature. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, so folks, there, there are several miracles going to be involved here. Okay? And, um, you know, uh, certain things have got to happen. This isn't a conception like Mary's. And so there's miracles that God is going to perform. And he thinks this doesn't even make sense that this could happen, that she could actually get pregnant. I could get her pregnant. Or that she would be able to carry a baby and give birth to a baby. This is, this is the real thing we're dealing with here. Um, and so um, he's like, how, how am I going to know this? And so be careful about asking God for a sign. <laughs> Right? You need to be careful about it. I know some people are always doing that, and God sometimes, God sometimes accommodates us, but like, like Gideon, you know, and putting that, that piece of, of, of wool out there, that wool fleece, and, and asking God to, you know, make a sign. You know, God put up with that. It was only because Gideon didn't have faith, and God's like, all right. But, but Jesus said in Matthew 12, 39, he rebuked people when they asked for a sign. He said, you know, wicked generations always asking for a sign. You just need to believe. He said, I'm not going to give you any sign except, you remember what? The sign of Jonah, what? He was in the, in the belly of the great fish for three days. And I said, just, that's going to happen with me. He said, that's all, that's all you're going to get. Uh, so his death, burial, and resurrection is a, the only sign we really need, right? Uh, but you need to be careful about it because you may not like what you get. Uh, but he asked, you know, he's kind of like, I, 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 I've got doubt here. And because of his doubt, he says, you know, and I think this came out, you know, like, you're asking me that. I'm Gabriel. I actually stand in the very presence of God, dude. I'm ter- paraphrasing heavily, but... And, and he's like, and I was sent from God's very presence to tell you this, and you're going to doubt me? Well, you're not going to be able to say anything else for a long time because you're going to not be able to speak until these things are fulfilled in the time that God says for them to fulfill it. So anyway... As we think about this, this might have been part of, you know, something God used because I don't know, as, as time went on and, and, and he comes out of the temple and, and people, it didn't take long to do what he was doing, so he, he was in there a long time. People began to worry, something's going on, they're getting worried, you know, not just anybody can go in there. Finally, he comes out and when he comes out, he can't speak. All he can do is gesture. Some think people think that he was deaf as well as mute. We don't know that for sure, but we know for sure he was mute. He couldn't speak, and he was making signs. And I don't know if it was like charades. What did you see? And maybe he's making these signs. And uh, angel, and you know, uh, I don't know how he did it, but he let him know. And then they understood that he had a vision that an angel had spoke to him that he wasn't able to speak. He him and him, and then and then we leave off that that they 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 his time of service ended. He couldn't speak. He went home, and it says after these days his wife Elizabeth conceived. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure he relayed to Elizabeth what God, what, the, what God through the angel had told him. Maybe he was writing notes. You know, <laughs> Elizabeth, <laughs> the angel said. <laughs> uh, Clarissa says it probably was more magical and happened because he couldn't talk. He just had to keep his mouth shut. He couldn't ruin the whole thing. 
But anyway, she conceives and she's with child. And she hides out, it says, for like five months. You know, and I'm sure that there was some struggles there too because maybe, probably because she was barren, it's very likely, it doesn't tell us this, so I'm reading into a bit here, so be careful, but this is just me thinking, is it possible that she had perhaps miscarried many times and, and, and what all had happened and what all she had maybe been through and maybe she's a little nervous and maybe she doesn't want to be like out there. And besides, when grandma is pregnant, it causes quite a stir. Anyway, so she hides out for at least five months, and then, and then um, uh, it says, and then uh, she's like, the Lord, you know, the Lord has spoken to me. He's taking away my reproach uh, and, and all of that. So, so uh, th- this, is, this is what's happened. So the time comes, if you look over uh, now in, in verse 57. So turn over to 57, and we'll, we'll begin to wrap this up. But the time comes, it says in verse 57, for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore, sure enough, a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they had rejoiced. And so everybody is just like celebrating this whole thing. And then comes time to, on the eighth day, according to the law, little boys on the eighth day after they are born, they're to go uh, and to be presented uh, and, and for circumcision. And at that time, they would name the child, right? That was official. Um, so here's the thing that we're going to find out that they were very specific in this. His name is John. Um, now, uh, this was part of God's covenant sign with Abraham. And part of the ceremony, as I said, was the official naming. Now, a child, especially a son, especially a firstborn son, would oftentimes carry on the name of his father and would carry on uh, whatever work his father was doing. Um, and uh, so it seems like that's what everybody thought. Uh, that um, everybody thought uh, that they would name him Zachariah after his father. And, um, and he couldn't, you know, Zachariah couldn't speak. And it, finally, Elizabeth butted in. And, and what you need to know that in their culture, it was very uncouth for a mother or a woman to do this, that she actually butted in. Because evidently the priest was just going to pronounce his name Zachariah. And she said, no, that's not going to be his name. His name's not going to be little Zach. His name's going to be John, right? So look at Elizabeth's courage. She shows her courage and faith by her believing this and her interrupting the process. Don't just speed read over that. And she tells them that this is, this is the, the thing that, that, that God has said. And it shows her courage and her faith, especially even as a woman and as a mother, because he couldn't speak. And so the people are like, really? That's weird. Ain't nobody in your family named John. And she said, his name's John. So they said, well, all right, well, well, we got to, you know, it's not official till. And they, they took it to Zachariah and, and said, what's his name? And he wrote, he wrote out for them. If you read the story there, uh, in verse 60, uh, it says, uh, 62. To, it says, and they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? Verse 64, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed. And he spoke. And what is the first thing he spoke? Blessing God. Now, when you read on down, uh, the next verses we're not going to read, verse 67 on through uh, 79, is Zechariah speaking the word of God and prophesying. I think, my opinion is, this is when that probably happened. 
That's probably his first words. He was speaking a prophecy from God, and it's recorded in Scripture. You read that uh, in your own time there. So the stir was made. It was all kinds of stuff going on around. People excited. So here's this one that is born, and now he's here, and he's the forerunner. He's the Elijah. He's the one that God's sending before, and he's going to be proclaiming this message. But let's just put a pin in it right there, and let's reflect on some of the truths that we've seen of how God works through this story of how just being obedient and serving him in the everyday and the mundane. And even the everyday and the mundane has more purpose and meaning than what we realize. Because I want to tell you, it's during those grinding it out work weeks often, or during those, those, those long weeks if you're retired where you don't really know exactly what, or everybody's trying to get you to do stuff you don't want to do, whatever. It's during that time that God's probably going to do his greatest work through your life. Probably is. It probably is. And um, so let's take home. Ready for some take home? Let's, let's stuff that take home bag and let's go on out of here and let's take it home and let's feast on it throughout the week. Amen. Here we go. Um, so God always keeps his promises. Boom. It doesn't seem like that Lord's going to do this. I mean, it's been 400 years. That's a long time. I mean, even to Wayne, that would seem like a long time, 400 years, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, God hasn't spoken, and now finally. It's not like God, God hasn't forgotten about us. God always keeps his promises, even if you think he's forgotten about you. That's a lie from the devil. Don't hesitate to believe all that he has said just because it doesn't seem logical. It just doesn't seem to make sense. You can't get your mind around everything because he's God and you're not. And God loves to work in ways that defy logic and use people that we would have never thought. And that's oftentimes the way it happens, isn't it? I mean, Zechariah and Elizabeth, I promise you, were two people. Even though he was a priest, there were lots and lots and lots of priests. They weren't anybody anyone would have taken notice of, but God took notice. And you might be struggling with that whole thing. Nobody notices me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody all that, right? Um. But God notices you, and he knows, and he wants to do more through your life than what you realize, okay? God often chooses the simple and sincere through whom to do great things. The unlikely, how about that? How about people that everybody else have written off? In fact, most of the ones that follow Jesus as his disciples and then the women who followed him and the others around uh, the most closely were, were people that society would have probably written off. Probably so. So, what, what, what is it then? God will shatter the silence and the emptiness of your life if you're willing to listen, and if you're willing to look to him. Shatter the silence. Let's pray. Father.